Well, I have a theory that Miss Libby and the choir had that a cappella planned because it sure did sound wonderful. It sounded like it was planned. Uh, so thank you. Um, it's a joy and an honor to be here with you today. Pastor John Bean had asked me back in July if I could preach here, and I agreed to it. However, the week of, I found out that I had whooping cough, or pertussis, as some call it, and so that was quite the ordeal. I had to, I had to contact John that week and say that I couldn't come preach, and and so now, this time, December 1st, I made sure that nothing could stop me from being here today. So um, it's, it's with joy and gladness that I'm here today. I wish my wife and sons could be here, um, but right now they're, they're just in survival mode, not getting much sleep. That's okay. Today we'll be in Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, verses 14 to 22. We're here today to look into God's Word found in Genesis 6 and talk about faith and obedience from a familiar passage of Scripture, Noah's Ark. Noah easily enters into the walls of children's church and nurseries, but sadly rarely, make, rarely makes it into the sanctuary. What part does Noah play in God's big, overarching plan of redemption? Moses records this shot for us. Today we turn to Genesis 6. 14 to 22, where a good man stands out, but only because there's a greater God who stands out even more. What does God care about and what is he up to? We look at a world of sin, a world where sin is, and yet God's plan of redemption shall be carried forth. This big story will come to fruition and we will see the beauty of all that God has done and is doing. May we remain faithful to the scriptures as God is at work. Genesis six fourteen to 22. The Lord speaking to Noah. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above, and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, And you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wives, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing, of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself... Of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. This is the word that is preached to you today. Let me begin in prayer. 
Dear gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are revealed in it. Please be with us now as we dive in. May the words jump off the page at us, and may we draw closer to you and grow in our walk and our relationship with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a tree fell down in my yard a few months ago, and I do not own a chainsaw yet for whatever reason. So after a week or so, I decided to go out there and just begin splitting up the branch with my axe. I swung and swung and swung, sweat pouring down me, and a few blisters later, I began getting quite fatigued. And lo and behold, someone in a vehicle pulls out and slows down next to me, and he says he has a chainsaw in the back and would not mind at all chopping up the limbs for me. So I sit back in amazement as this man comes and goes just like that. After he made the branch manageable for me to haul off, was he an angel? No, I would later find out he was a farm worker. He made my day. But here's the thing. I was cutting one branch. It was not even a whole tree. And I had an axe and was hoping to get a chainsaw. But there I was chopping with an axe and wanting to own a chainsaw. But Noah didn't have a chainsaw. In fact, he had no inclination about a chainsaw, bar oil, or the like. He also had a massive boat to build. He had instructions, and it took him 120 years. I lasted about five hours. Here Noah is, doing the work of the Lord and obeying his instructions. I have three points for us today. One, God has a plan. Two, God establishes covenant. And three, God demands obedience. So let's begin with one. God has a plan. First, Noah receives instruction. Our text today begins with God giving Noah instruction, and not only instruction, but very detailed instruction at that. God lays it all out for Noah. God's plan is not only in this big story of redemption, but in the details. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. 450 feet long, 30 cubits high, rooms covered with pitch, windows, a door, decks, and more. And Noah faithfully did all these things. Specifically, God gives instruction of measurement to Noah long before Noah knows what he is doing. God is giving Noah instruction that he does not yet know. God knows what this boat will be used for and where the giraffes will be and the height necessary for their heads and and where the hippos will be and the width necessary for their stay. God is rescuing a people for himself and animals to walk the earth again. God cares about the details and even tells us to walk in obedience and faith carrying out those details. Noah built the ark in reverence, in pious care, and in worship. And he did not procrastinate. My, don't I have much to learn from there. Get this. Noah even carried out all these things with no conception of rain whatsoever. Genesis 2.6 tells us, But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. That doesn't sound like rain as we know it to me. 
Evidently, in the garden and before Noah, there was another type of ecosystem, a system that did not require rain, but the plants were still nurtured and the people still cared for. Well, how would Noah respond? He takes a big leap of faith in this first swing of the axe on the gopher wood. It is also important to note early on here that Noah's wife must have kept up with a lot of the details and instructions given by God and kept Noah in line and on task with the details. That's at least true in my family. Yet, yes, Noah was righteous, but behind every great man there is a greater woman. She bore his children and stayed with him, even when he was building a boat for 120 years. And they had no idea what rain was. And even when they were not accepted by the people, but ridiculed. She also put up with Noah on a boat for over a year. Behind Noah, more like beside. But the boat was needed because God would deal with sin, and he must deal with sin. Sin is serious and very serious to God. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David proclaims dealing with the consequences of his sin with Bathsheba. Now for these sins, God would judge the whole world. There was a need to begin again, and Noah was righteous, not because of Noah, but because of God. Noah preached righteousness in speech and in building a boat on dry ground without having any concept of rain. Noah preached repentance for 120 years, and no one listened or turned. Noah preached to all and even preached a message of doom. It did not work. He preached while he built. Both were hard. The people knew and rejected. They had 120 years of hearing the truth and not responding. But Noah knew what was to be done, and he went after it. He walked with God. Are you Noah? What would you have done? I would have had at least given up at year 100, or let's be honest, day 100. If that, God cares about the details and even cares for the smallest details of your life. He has a purpose and a plan, and he brings forth this story of redemption through Noah, his servant. Point number two, God establishes covenant. Y'all have a good name for your church. He does this. He establishes covenant through covenant, through relationship. A covenant is a mutual agreement between two parties, a promise. A promise God is making with his people in love. And yet, what we find is that people are unfaithful to the covenant, and God is always faithful. God is faithful even when we are not. God extends grace, even grace to all of creation. God gives Noah this task and tells of the covenant he is making with him. This covenant will extend to all people with the rainbow, but Noah won't know that for years. Even though the earth is cursed, God still demands care for the animals and creation. One ongoing story. Sin affects all creation. God does not give up. And the grace is extended to every species, every species created and designed by God himself. I'm sorry. 
nocturnal eyes, backbones, tall ears, short ears, spots and stripes, all unique and all pointing to the beauty of our God, this intelligent design and mercy towards the creation. He could have wiped everyone and everything out, but he preserves a remnant. Let's look at two faithful women, Shifra and Pua. Who were they? They were midwives in Exodus 1, and Pharaoh tells them to kill the Hebrew boys when they are being born. And they did not, because the Bible says that they feared the Lord. When confronted by Pharaoh, they said that Hebrew women give birth too speedily, and this account leads into Moses being saved. The basket Moses was saved in going down the Nile and the ark are the same word in Hebrew, to bat. And this Hebrew word is only used in the Bible for these two arks. They brought protection and were ways of salvation for the people. Noah and his family were protected and saved through the flood. They were set apart, cleansed, baptized even. Peter shows in both 1 Peter and 2 Peter, those destroyed in the flood are ungodly, but salvation is to some protection. So what happens? No one turns from their wicked ways. The animals come two by two and fill the ark. They close the door and wait. The rain comes and floods the whole earth. Noah and his family are protected on the ark, as well as the animals two by two. The floodwaters come, and they wait on the ark. Food is dispersed, poop is scooped, and prayer is had. It rained 40 days and 40 nights. Everything not on the ark that needed land to survive died. Only Noah, his family, and the animals on the ark were saved. After much waiting for the floodwaters to subside, Noah sends out a raven and then dove several times And finally, the earth is ready to be walked on again. Imagine the faith that it took Noah every time to send out the birds and the prayer he must have had over their journey. He had a steadfast patience and a trust in God. He believed time after time that the land would be ready. And now it was. And they walked on the cleansed land. Then what happens? The rainbow the beautiful rainbow, God confirms his covenant not only with Noah, not only with Christians, not only with churches, but with all of creation. God establishes that he will never flood the whole earth again. The rainbow is a sign of that promise. Never let anyone taint the true meaning of the rainbow because God keeps his promises. And this promise is to all people. In the beginning, God tells Adam to fill the earth and subdue it. Now God tells Noah to do the same. This is a foretaste of the new creation, and this is God's plan for people to multiply. God is at work, and the importance of the repetition of this command displays what God is doing in chapter 9 and will forever do. God's covenant with Abraham sets forth a people for himself. These are Christians. We are brought into the family of God and called children of God. This is undeserved. And even Noah being saved through the flood is undeserved. Noah's righteousness wasn't his own either. Mankind is in need of Christ and his righteousness. 
And and this righteousness will be met only through the blood of Christ on the cross. Where the new covenant is enacted. Here God's covenant with Noah will not allow man's sin to get in the way of all of creation and his redemptive plan. God's covenant says that man cannot stop the new heavens and the new earth from coming and being established. God, man, and the world will one day be in harmony again. Perfect harmony. Point number three, God demands obedience. Who is included in the good of those who love him? Well, certainly Noah. Noah's faith was shown through his obedience. Verse 9 speaks to Noah's righteousness and integrity, walking with God like Enoch. Noah had integrity of heart. But was Noah perfect? What did he do a little while after getting off the ark? He got drunk and he sinned. Not if we fail, but when we fail. When we fail, we go to the cross. We run to Jesus. Verse 22 says that God commanded this and Noah did. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. If God can command the wind and the waves to obey him, he can certainly command Noah. And he can certainly command you and I. What a testimony. God told Noah to do something that he had no idea about, and he did it anyway. He built a boat and preached for 120 years, seeing no fruit. But he trusted and he obeyed. He had faith and thus was added into the faithful. In Hebrews eleven seven, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. This was trusting. This was obedience. But even still, old righteous Noah could not be sinless and could not save himself. Someone greater was needed, and that someone is Jesus Christ. Noah was under the old covenant, and we are now under the new. We are saved in Jesus Christ. And he was the ultimate sacrifice. Noah and his family were saved. We are in Christ. God takes our faith and claims us. He even takes an imperfect faith and molds us. Just look at the disciples and his ministry with them. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He loves us and cares for us. God cares for and loves us so much that he sent his only son as a sacrifice for our sins. We are brought into the family, in community. Noah did not have a community to lean on. We do, in Christ. You can call me brother because we are one in Christ Jesus. Noah and his family were saved. God saved the remnant and kept his promise. The ark was an act of both judgment and divine mercy. Noah was saved not because of his works, but because God delights in us. We are his workmanship. God delights in us even more so when we exalt Christ far over our works because our works are nothing, filthy rags without Christ. If you are a believer, God looks at you and calls you worthy, not because of you, but because he looks at his son who stood in your place. 
We have not earned it, but God's plan of redemption is met in the intoning work of Jesus on the cross. We are redeemed. If I were to summarize this sermon in one sentence, it would be, Trust and obey no matter what. So what can we learn from Noah and God's covenant with him? We see God's faithfulness and care. Be faithful no matter the circumstances. This was the message of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk 2.4 says, The righteous will live by faith. Do not falter. Do not waver in doing good. I don't have to convince you that we are living in a trying time today. Have good character. Stay faithful. Peter also encourages us, remain faithful. Noah had unbelievers on all sides, yet he remained faithful. The community of faith is so important. It's so important who you surround yourself with. Be a leader and example wherever you are. In Christ and in his redemptive plan, we are still called to action, faith and obedience. In your work, in your labor, throughout your day, Not because you're better than everyone, but because Jesus is the best and his best covers your worst. There is a replica of the ark in Kentucky. I was able to go see it this past year. It is truly vast and amazing. There are many trips that go out there. You can hop on board and experience it for yourself. I would greatly encourage you to go up there and do so. Still, God is reminded of his promise. Revelations 4.3 tells us God is always reminded of his covenant. It says the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. And get this, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. What? God who is seated on the throne has a rainbow encircling him? Does that mean that when God looks down at us, he looks through the rainbow, always remembering his promise to us? The rainbow encircles the throne and is God's view of his creation. Praise him. I would like to end with a story. Has anyone ever heard of Easy Eddie before? What about Al Capone? Easy Eddie an exceptional lawyer and worked as Al Capone's lawyer for years. They could never nail down Al Capone with anything because Easy Eddie and his work in keeping this mobster out of jail. Though one day, Easy Eddie looked at his son and decided he wanted out. He wanted to teach his son right from wrong and wanted to give him a better name to carry on. So he handed over evidence on Al Capone. It was not much later when Easy Eddie was found dead in his yard because of the mobster. He made a statement. Easy Eddie made a statement for his good character as a legacy for his family. Butch O'Hare, do you know who he was? Butch O'Hare was a pilot during World War II. He was low on fuel on one occasion and was about to head back to base. But he saw Japanese planes headed for trouble, and he decided to go after them. He ended up shooting down, shooting some down until he ran out of ammo. And when he ran out of ammo, 
he began flying his plane in to try and clip the wings off the Japanese planes. He did this as long as his fuel levels held up. He saved many American lives that day and received the Medal of Honor. But was anyone watching him? No, he was fighting the Japanese by himself. Who was Butch O'Hare? Well, the Chicago airport is named after him, and he received the Medal of Honor for his actions. He is Easy Eddie's son. Have character even when no one is looking. But even more so, rest on the promises of God. He is redeeming all things and making all things new. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the faithful example of Noah in your word. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for making things right, making things new. And we have the promise, the hope of glory, the new heavens and the new earth coming, the hope of all things. We thank you that you remember your covenant with us, that you always stay faithful, and that there is a rainbow encircling your throne. What beauty, what majesty, how much we have to adore and how much we have to long for. Lord, be with your children, and may we trust and obey always. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.